0: If you would turn in your Bibles this morning to Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, we're going to look at verse 19 through 22, and you may have noticed by now that I often don't stray from the book that we're currently going through. As holidays arise, we've made it through Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, and Philippians, and by God's grace, we will make it through the book of Ruth, through Christmas and Advent as well. Uh, because the Word of God is inspired, it's all living, it's all active. We don't have to worry about hitting the right text for the right days of the year. It's not as if spirit-led preaching was kind of like a game of whack-a-mole, where uh, the, the beginning of the Gospels pop up around uh, the birth of Jesus. We have to hit them then, and as we hit those down, uh, the crucifixion comes up over here, and we got to hit those for Easter. It's not as if we have to always do these certain passages at certain times. Rather, our task as readers of God's Word is to pray for the Spirit to connect whatever text that we're looking at um, in the morning to our present moment in history. That's the most important part. So what we need to be asking is how does Ruth 1, 19, 19 through 22 connect to the day after Christmas at Village, or Village Church 2021, right? That's, that's what our real task this morning is. We're going to look at this book and we're going to try to get it to our own home right here. So, again, the text is Ruth 1, verses 19 through 22. These are the words of God. Please read with me. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. The Word of God for His people. Let's pray. For that, Father, that truly is our hope this morning is that we would have Your Spirit be upon us even now. As we look at this text, it may not seem very Christmassy. It may not seem that it fits with the season that we're in. But we know, Lord, that You speak to us in every season, in all kinds of ways. And we pray that you would do that this morning, that upon my preaching, that your spirit would work, that your inspired word would inspire us this morning, that you would help it to have great reception in all of our hearts. Brother, speak to my heart, speak to Village Church this morning and impress upon us the hope that we have in Jesus. Let us see him clearly through this text this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. So I want you, as I said, to get inside this story as much as possible. Kind of bring it down to earth, make it yours. So see how it connects to your own context. Be thinking about how things in your own life might connect to this. And I don't I, we shouldn't always read ourselves into the Bible because that can be unhealthy at times, but it can also be very healthy, especially if we read ourselves into um, the bad person in the story. Because it helps us confront some of the things that we need to in our life that otherwise we would. Because many times we want to read ourselves into the story, right? We are, we think we are David slaying Goliath every time. Um, we never forget that we might be the fearful Israelites um, that are not willing to step up to the plate like we should be, right? So we want to get this in our own context. Some of us, or some people, have categorized this literary piece, the Book of Luke, or sorry, the Book of Ruth, um, as I quote a simple description of rustic life. Now, I love that. If we view this book in this way, it becomes a little bit more exciting because we could simply swap that word rustic for rural. And you get that, don't you? That that makes a lot more sense for us because it immediately connects us to the context that we're currently in. North City understands rural, don't we? We get that. We understand farm life. We understand times of harvest. This is the time of the barley harvest. You get it. Many of you have been around farmers. Some of you have lived in farmer families. You understand it. You understand complicated family relationships. When hard times hit, when people are suffering and dying, you understand the struggle that comes with that in a small town. We understand blue collar hardships. When money's tight, We get these kind of things. And in fact, I would almost bet that there's someone in this room right now repping apparel from Rule King. Am I wrong? Is there anyone here? If my father would have came, he would have been wearing something from (laughs) Rule (laughs) King. Anyway, so we understand it, right? We understand rule context. So just to get you up to speed, if anyone has missed any of these sermons so far, you haven't missed a lot of detail, but the big picture is – Ruth is a Moabite right it's named after Ruth but really we've been focusing a lot on Naomi this is a family that came from Bethlehem hard times hit in Bethlehem so they traveled down to a pagan area Moab and once they got there everything fell apart all the men died great suffering happened and they realized Things aren't working out here. We need to do something else. So now we're on our way back to Bethlehem because they found out that there was, um, the famine was over. They found out there was food there. So where we pick up this morning is that they are on this road to Bethlehem and they're arriving in Bethlehem. So that's the scene. Let's try to imagine it a little bit. The two of them, Naomi and Ruth, continue on their journey towards Bethlehem. If we want to kind of bring this to our own context, imagine an awkward, silent drive heading west on 141 towards a spot. Small town, right? (laughs) They were heading to Bethlehem, this story, but let's just put ourselves in the seats for a second. So they were heading towards North City. They're coming into North City, and remember, you just had a heated moment back there, right? Things were a little tents in the car. We stopped at a gas station. Things got really, really heated. One of the people even turned away. They had tears involved. It says that they wept. And one person even turned back behind, but the other said, I'm not leaving. I'm not getting out of this car. I will continue on with you. We're going to go. And that was not an easy moment. And it says that there was a silence in the ride to Moab or into Bethlehem. So you have this silent, awkward drive into this small town. So they enter Bethlehem. So you pull up to the town together where all the people are gathered. Doug's food, Mark. <laughs> you, you go in together, the two of you in together, and familiar faces start noticing, right? You've been gone for a while, and one conversation turns into three or four, and before you know it, the whole town knows, because that's how small towns work. This is a village that we're talking about. So it says, the whole town is stirred. Why is the whole town stirred? Why is everyone talking? What is the big deal? The the big deal is that something's changed. And small towns always notice change because nothing changes in small towns, right? (laughs) Everything's basically all the same. But then one one little thing can happen that's a little bit of shift and everyone's talking about it. Right, So that's kind of the context that we're looking at here. And I don't want to read too much into this, but note that it's the women who start talking. So you can kind of imagine the girls are gossiping. You can almost hear it, right? Oh, bless your heart, Naomi. I, I hardly even recognize you. You don't even look the same. I didn't even know if that was you when you walked in here. Right? That's, that's the kind of thing that this is what they're probably dealing with. Now, we don't know if this is referring to Naomi's inevitable aging from just time and hardship, because that happens, right? You leave for a little while and you come back and you have some more wrinkles, sometimes you have gray hair, but it could've just been her disposition, right? It could've just been the way that she's acting. And sometimes, hardships actually change people for the worse. They can change us for the better sometimes, but there's a reality that sometimes when we go through hard things, it wears us down. It gets on us in a way that other people can almost see it on us, right? We went through a hard season, and people start talking to this. Say, "Is that even you? That doesn't even something seems off, right?" We've all experienced this at times. So people can become bitter and even hardened in their suffering rather than softened. And I'd like to ask you, church: Have you ever felt yourself feeling like this through hardship? When suffering comes, do you just feel like you've got gotten, gotten bitter over time? That you instead of getting softer. You've actually gotten a lot harder. You're a lot more reactive when people ask questions about you. You're explosive. You're a little bit irritable. Naomi was. Whether it was her wrinkled face, letting herself go. Maybe she gained some weight. Maybe she lost some weight. We don't know exactly what she was. Maybe she was small and feeble. Maybe she was just different. Maybe she wore her hair different. Whatever it was, we don't know what it was. Maybe it was even just her countenance the way she just held her face. You know how you can just see some people that they've changed, something's happened? Just see it on their face. They don't have to even say anything. This is what was going on with Naomi and it caused the women to notice. Men don't notice this kind of thing most of the time. That's just the reality of it. Women pick up on these things because they care more. They're more nurturing than men. So the women notice that something is going on with Naomi. Something's up. Something's changed. This is what harboring can bitter, or harboring bitterness can do to someone, someone hard. Hardship can even physically change you. You know? I've, I've experienced it in my own life. As t- times get stressful, you go through stressful seasons. You can even become more sick. You can be anxious. So it's not just your physical state. It's your, or your emotional state. It can even become physical it's spiritual, sometimes we even stop reading our Bibles. We go through these seasons of just hardship and we just don't want to do anything. We get a little bit apathetic. This is likely the season that Naomi was going through. She hadn't really slowed down enough to assess herself. How are how things going? Checking with God, do the things that she should be doing. She just kept on going, pressing through, and we can see that she wasn't handling this well. She wasn't going through hardship the way that she could have, but She owns it, doesn't she? Naomi just, she owns it. What's it say in verse 20? Verse 20 says, She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Do you remember what Naomi means? Pleasant. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I left full, now I come back empty. She says, Don't call me pleasant, call me bitter, because that's what I really am after all. Why? Because the Lord's dealt very bitterly with me. Obviously, God's not on my side. Here, I I left full and I come back empty. The Almighty has brought calamity upon me. The Lord has testified against me. Everything God says in my life is saying he doesn't like me. This is what she's feeling. She expresses herself here. It's clear God's God's not on my side. That's what she's really trying to express to this town. And she owns it. Now... We've been reading ourselves into this a little bit. So what's going on in your own scene? Where are you at in this story? We look at Naomi and Ruth like a stage play, but they lived this, right? This was an actual story that actually happened. And maybe one day, you too will have a story that's played out in other people's stories. right? They're going to talk about you, the timeline. Chapter one was this. This happened in their life. And then three chapters later, they're still not doing very good. right? Because that's the way people talk about Histories, isn't it? You can talk about your your grandpa, he went through this hard season, and we talk about people this way. So it's a reality that we live, but we forget about it in the moment, don't we? We get caught up and we just keep going and we keep going. And sometimes you can get several chapters down the road before you realize that you are not in the right place. So where are you in this story? Are you Naomi? Are you Ruth? Maybe you're even the town, right? The, the town is kind of playing into this too, isn't it? We so often can be the town of this scene where we talk about other people's problems so we can feel better about ourselves. Right? We do this. We tell ourselves that we bring it up because we care about them. We love them so much that we're going to talk about all their problems so that we can know every single detail. So we can be praying for them, of course. Right? <laughs> it comes across in prayer requests. I ask up here, do we have any prayer requests? And all the the gossip can start to come up. I'm not accusing you of that. But I've seen it happen in so many churches where we, in the name of caring and loving and ministering to people, we just really want to talk about other people's dirt. So (laughs) Naomi, at this point, feels pretty empty. Hard providences have come her way. Life has really worn on her. She most likely feels disrespected remember Ruth her daughter-in-law has not taken her counsel she said turn back Ruth and Ruth said nope I'm not turning back I'm gonna stick to you it says that Ruth clung to her so here's her daughter-in-law sticking to her saying I'm not going to leave you she's bitter at God and she's bitter at Ruth she's probably even bitter at her own community maybe she kind of sarcastically said these things when they said I hardly noticed you and she says well don't call me Mara anymore or don't call me Naomi anymore call me Mara right She's, she's very frustrated, very irritated, and very hurt. And she feels like the whole world is against her. Have you ever felt that way? We get in these seasons in our lives where we start to look around and we think, my own family isn't for me. Seems like everything that happens is going wrong in my life. Obviously God isn't for me. My town's talking about me. Gossip's got around. Everyone is against me. We feel like this at times in our life. Is it true? Not always. But we still feel it. We still experience it. Have other people sometimes notice things in your life before you have? You ever think about that? How they, uh, you go to a certain context that you haven't been, in, been to in a while, and you come back and they're like, something's different about you. Something's changed. Maybe we get uh, separated from our family through the hol- or for a long time and we come back in the holidays and it's been a while since we've seen people and they start asking questions. Sometimes we get defensive. Sometimes we push them away. We say, no, no, I'm, everything's fine. Everything's as normal. Maybe it was a conversation that people tried to start with you of the holidays. Maybe they're trying to literally ask you how you're doing so they can care for you. But rather than opening up, we push them away. Right? We do this sometimes. Out of our hurt, we hold in our bitterness and we say, no, I'm fine. It's, it's all right. You don't have to worry about me. So we brush it off because we know that if we actually try to confront that, if we did open up about it, we'd probably just fall apart. But sometimes we need to do that. Don't we? Sometimes we just need to let it go and allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to say, I am hurt. I'm in pain. I've went through a lot. And I need you to be here for me, rather than trying to be the tough guy. Because that's what we so often try to do, right? We're, we're the hero, right? We're the, we're the David that slays the giant. And every time we want to think, I'm fine, I got it all together. But sometimes we need to just let Jesus be the healer of our own souls, rather than ourselves. Because time doesn't heal anything. As, as Laura said so beautifully in that longest night service the other day, we can't just keep putting it off and think that, well, if I just keep pushing it down over time, things will get better. As I said, Psalm 66 says that if we harbor iniquity in our heart, the Lord will not have heard our prayer. Our prayer life can even get clogged by us pushing down our emotions. By saying, no, I don't want to go there right now. I don't want to confront that. That clogs up our relationship with God. We have to be open and honest about our sins with God and our community. Confess your sins one to another. That's hard sometimes. And This is something that Naomi hasn't done yet. Now, we could look at this as a way to shame Naomi, shame the people who feel this in the room, make you feel guilty. I felt this way, and you shouldn't feel that way. That's not what I want you to do. I want to use this as an opportunity to tell you that you can be free of these feelings. That's why I tell you this, not just so you can have that uh, misery loves its company kind of feeling. Like, oh, Naomi was miserable. Ah, I'm miserable too, and isn't it better to just all be miserable together? No, you don't actually have to harbor these feelings. Naomi didn't have to be this way, and you don't have to be this way. There's good news for the Naomis in the room. The Word of God says that for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. So if you're a believer, if you trust in Jesus, you can't say, God is against me. You can't say it, because he's not. He is for you. He's working all things for you. And Paul would even say, if, if God is for you, who can be against you? Right? He's working these things out. He's not mad at you. Right? His peace is upon you. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, if you believe in Christ, that you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus brings peace with God. So the person who's believing in Jesus is actually free from all this, whether they want to recognize it or not. That's many times what we fail to do is we just fail to recognize the truth of the gospel. We don't live out the reality that God says about our lives. God says, you are free. And we say, nope, I'm not. We say, I'm stuck. And yet we're not. Jesus came to set captives free. And if you feel like you've been enslaved to any of these emotions this morning, I have hope for you, church. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to live that reality. There's someone standing next to us that we often forget about who brings us great comfort. Now, all through this scene, one very important figure is standing nearby that we haven't talked about. Oof. She's been here all through this scene saying nothing. Isn't that interesting? Notice the language through this text. I'll read through the whole thing quickly, but just follow along. <laughs> So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, and Naomi has that discourse. And then it says down there at the bottom in verse 22, So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. They're in this together side by side they come in to the 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 public place and people are talking and ruth is there all alone this whole scene naomi's flailing about in her misery talking about how awful she's feeling while naomi is saying things like i am empty her daughter-in-law stands right next to her think about that how do you think that made ruth feel to be standing by naomi her mother-in-law and naomi saying i'm empty lord's against me everything's wrong everything's awful And there stands Ruth, faithful, steadfast, clinging to her mother-in-law. So they both enter, and yet the whole town conveniently sidesteps this new person and focuses just on Naomi's problems. This is what groups often do. We'll just get really hung up on the details of People's lives and we forget the hope that we have in Jesus. We can even do this in the church sometimes where we're only talking about the bad things, but we forget the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Jesus stands by all the time right next to us while we're miserable, flailing around in our mess, whispering to us, it's not so bad. <laughs> there's hope. There's there's a way out. Maybe you felt like Ruth at times. You felt ignored. You ever been in that situation where you're not the Naomi, but you're the Ruth? Have you felt your loved ones took unnecessary jabs through the holidays? Right, we just came through Thanksgiving, Christmas. Sometimes people say things that they don't actually think about, and those things can hurt. Have you felt like the Ruth in the room? Maybe they didn't explicitly say, I'm empty, while you stood by, but maybe they said other things. Maybe they didn't even mean to hurt you, but we hear those things, and we can really get down. Sometimes people do mean those things too. Sometimes people say things that are mean that they do mean. And if you felt like that, if you felt like you're ignored, you felt like people are kind of just pushing you away when they should be pulling you close, you're in good company. Not just the good company of Ruth either. You're in the good company of Jesus. This is the life that Jesus lived. It wasn't an easy life. There was people literally spitting on him. There was people literally making jabs at him. They called him a fake. They called him all kinds of names. That was the life that he lived. And like Ruth, Jesus clings to us while we throw our fits of bitterness and rage. We will say things like, I am empty, while the fullness of life stands right next to us. Don't we often do that? Life's hard. Everything's miserable. I have no hope, while hope stands right next to us. We forget so often. That's why it's so important to remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel. We should never get tired of talking about the good news of Jesus. We all need it each and every week. Because we can really get hung up on those small details where we think that we're never going to get through this season. But then we find out that we're a, a 50 chapter book and that was only one little chapter in our big story, right? We look back on our lives and we realize what seemed like forever in the moment wasn't that big of a deal. And that God usually worked it all out to where it was better, right? Where he works all things according to his will for our good purpose. In fact, the story of Christmas is really about this steadfast love of Jesus taking on our emptiness to make us full, isn't it? Do you remember in our series in Philippians, what we read in Philippians 2? Philippians 2, 5-8 says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. You can have it, church who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but catch this, but emptied himself. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. God took on human flesh. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus emptied himself. So that we could become full. Right? That's what the story is here too. Isn't it? Naomi was feeling empty. But Ruth was there full as can be. And she was actually the hope of this whole story. I don't want to give any spoilers away. But the reality is, is Ruth is the story of Ruth. It's not about Naomi. It's about that hope that we find in Ruth. And Ruth is kind of just quiet all until it just blossoms at the end. Kind of like the story of the universe, isn't it? Jesus didn't come in at the very beginning. It was quiet for a long time. There was a mystery that needed revealed. We didn't know how it all worked out, and then Jesus came. Jesus came quiet and gentle. The story of Christmas is Jesus of his own accord clinging to us, his spiritual family, so much so that he was willing to enter into our messiness of sin in order to save us. He saves us from that sin that we flail around in. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And you can kind of play with those words a little bit and say, He who knew no emptiness became emptiness so that we might become the fullness of the righteousness of God. We get the righteousness of Jesus. So when God looks at us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. He sees us full because of the work that Christ done on the cross. So Christmas is the beautiful story of the beautiful humility Faithfulness and love of Jesus. The way He came into the world, quiet and humble. Do you remember it? Right? He didn't come in as a king, just plop down on a throne. No, He came in in the manger. Think of what a manger is. Actually, think about it. Right? When we look at mangers, we see them on the little nativity sets, and there's angelic hosts all around them, there's halos everywhere, and we forget what a manger actually is, right? A manger is actually covered in donkey slobber and sheep poop, right? Because it's in a stable. That's, that's what a stable is. It's a nasty thing, but we see it in such sanctified vision that we forget what it actually is. It's a feeding trough. Animals eat out of it. It's nasty, but that's the beauty of it all, as we'll see in a moment, right? There's beauty in Jesus coming into that feeding trough. And do you remember where this manger is located? In Bethlehem. The house of bread. That's what Bethlehem is means Jesus came into the house of bread, the same place where Naomi and Ruth entered long before at the beginning of the barley harvest. They came in When the barley was coming in, upon their arrival, this manger laid empty, just waiting to be filled. And who could have guessed that morning, think about the farmer that went out that morning. He threw his feed in there, whatever it was. Do you think he really knew what was going to be in that manger that night? Who would have thought that? Who would have expected that the Savior of the world would have came in some random farmer's stable? He went out and probably fed his donkeys, his sheep, or whatever it was that morning, didn't think a thing about it, and that night, the Savior of the entire universe was laid in that manger. We often don't see what God is doing. He does it in the most miraculous, amazing ways. Then Jesus, the bread of life, came. Remember, this is Jesus who says, I am the bread of life. He came and sat in that feeding trough in the manger. The harvest began. The loaf was baked. It's here. Jesus is here. And he's not laid in a king's quarters with silky blankets all around him in this really beautiful crib. He comes and he's laid in the place of frankly gross, dirty animals. Sometimes like us. Right? We're the animals sometimes in the story. Sometimes we're the people that don't deserve to have this beautiful child that saves us from our sins laid among us. And so too, Ruth and Naomi enter Bethlehem with humble beginnings. Not much has really happened on the surface of this story, right? Right? In the, in the grand scheme of things, not much has really happened. But from God's perspective, this is one step in the history of redemption. This is actually moving forward to Jesus. If you don't have Ruth, then you don't have Jesus. If you don't have Ruth laying down her comforts for the messiness of Naomi, then you don't get to Jesus. Because Jesus comes from the line of David. And David comes from the line of Ruth. And if you don't have small little steps of faithfulness like this, then you don't have salvation. Jesus works in the most miraculous, amazing, unexpected ways that we would have never imagined. But yet he does it. Sometimes it hurts, sometimes it's painful, but in the end, it's always for our good. And we can always look back on it and think, what a beautiful story. God was working through that. In a manger? Who would have thought? Who would have ever thought? Right? You think about all the things that went into that story. Not just the the farmer going out and probably feeding in that trough, but the guy that made it. He he crafted a wooden, probably wooden manger. And who would have known that that would have been something that supported Jesus, who then supports the world? Right? You don't think about these things when we're in the moment. But we ought to more, shouldn't we? We ought to reflect on these things, about how God is amazing, how he works in miraculous ways. Maybe like Mary, she pondered all these things. Who would have known? An angel comes to her and tells her, you're going to have a baby. Great, everyone has babies, but not just any baby. God works in our lives in ways that we could not ever have anticipated. We need to lean into that more as a church. We need to trust that Jesus is actually living the gospel out through us as his hands and his feet. Still today, even now. So we pray. Father, we don't deserve any of this, we don't deserve Christmas. We don't deserve Easter. We don't deserve any of the holidays that we celebrate your life in. But Lord, we pray that each and every day, not just on the holidays, but every day, you would help us to remember that great news that we have in Jesus. Gospel, it means good news. Let us live lives that are always thinking about the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would forgive us for the times that we have been like Naomi, not seeing what we have next to us. Not seeing you working through our lives. Not giving you more credit than you deserve. We pray, Father, that you would be glorified through this. That your son Jesus would be glorified through this. That your Holy Spirit would be magnified as you work through the small things of life. We pray these in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.